Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where we're going to be, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful for this day, and Lord, I'm thankful for all that you do for us. It is good to be reminded of your grace and your mercy in our lives. And Lord, I pray that as we enter now into this time of looking at your word, I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts and to help us, Lord, to be encouraged today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I was preparing for this message today, I could not help but be somewhat influenced by the events of the week and what I was engaged in and what I was involved in. And so I apologize for the nature of the illustration that I'm going to open with, but it works and it fits, and so I trust that you will understand the the reason for it in just a couple of moments. But most of you know that this past week, most of us, or many of us men, spent some time together at the lake on our annual men and boys fishing trip. And if you've ever been to the lake, then you know this. There is kind of an ideal situation or an ideal kind of weather that you want to have when you are at the lake. You certainly want to enjoy some warmer temperatures. You don't want it to be too cold, but you don't want it to be just unbearably hot. You don't want to have to deal with the rain. That's just not enjoyable to deal with when you're at the lake. And you'd really rather not have a lot of wind. It's just not something that's enjoyable when you're at the lake and on a boat out on the water. And so over the years, as we have gone to this fishing trip, as we have participated in this, there have been some times and there have been some occasions where the weather was ideal. It was everything you would want it to be. But this year was not one of those years. This year, thankfully, we didn't have to worry about the rain. That was not anything that bothered us. That was not anything that disturbed us. And really, even the temperature was not something that disturbed us. It was not something that was a real burden for us, but something that we did have the privilege of contending with and dealing with was the non-stop wind. As I prepared this sermon, I checked the weather so as to make sure that I was not exaggerating, and I was preparing it in the back of my car because that was the only office space I had while at the lake. So I checked the weather, and it said on the Weather Channel that the winds were sustained at over 20 miles an hour with gusts over 40 miles an hour. Now, again, when you're out on the lake in a boat, that becomes somewhat uh, difficult to deal with, and it can be somewhat frustrating to deal with. But in light of all that, I want to share this with you that whether the circumstances have been ideal or not, and again, most of the time not completely ideal, it has never entered into our minds to just wrap it up, call it quits, pack up, and come home. You just make the best of the situation that you've got presented to you. You make the best of the, again, the situation that, that you have in front of you and And you just do the best you can and hope for the best results. Now, that in mind, I know that you know this, that in many, many different walks of life, you hope for ideal circumstances. If you could write it out, if you could map it out, if you could kind of 
uh, write the script for it. This is what you would write, and here is what you know. So many times in life, it doesn't go the way you would hope that it would. But what do you do? Well, you have to continue on. You can't just wrap it up, call it quits, and say, nope, I'm done. No, even when the circumstances are not ideal, you have to continue with what it is you know needs to get done. Now, this morning, with that in mind, I'm going to say this, that I understand that today is Mother's Day, and sometimes I've preached special Mother's Day sermons, sometimes I have not, and today it is somewhat motivated, the sermon is, out of the fact that it is Mother's Day, but I'm hoping that by the end of this sermon that it's not just the mothers who are encouraged, but that it'll be every one of us who are encouraged and helped But this morning, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be for just a couple of moments. And as you look there in verse number 1, here's what it says. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra. Now, I know that most of you are going to know this, and I know that many of you will know much of what I'm going to say this morning, but I think the review will be helpful for us. And so as we read that simple statement that he came to Derby and to Lystra, I want us to be reminded of who this is talking about, who is being spoken of in verse number one. That is a reference to the Apostle Paul as it related to the missionary endeavors and the missionary travels that he was a part of. Now, I'd really like for us to try to give attention to this, okay? This is, this is important information that we're going to be looking at today, so I'd really like us to focus on this. Here's the Apostle Paul, and it says that he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. So we notice in verse number 1 that we read of a woman, it says who was a Jewess, or we would simply say this, she was a Jew. Now, again, most of us know this, but the woman that is being referenced in verse number one is a woman by the name of Eunice. She is referenced in 2 Timothy chapter one. I believe it's in verse number three where she is referenced specifically, but the woman of Acts chapter 16, verse number one, is a woman by the name of Eunice, And it says in the scripture that she was a Jew. Now, as you think about that, I know that this is pretty standard information and basic information for many of us, but I want us to think about what that means. That means that she was one who had grown up in the customs and the traditions of the Jews, and as such, she is one who would have been familiar with the laws and the teachings of the law of Moses and the law of God. So she was someone who had been raised in that environment. She was someone who had been raised in the Jewish culture. And yet it says that she also believed, which means this, that she had placed her faith in Jesus Christ. But it goes past that and it says this, but his father, that being a reference to Timotheus, he was a Greek. Well, what does it mean whenever it says that he was a Greek? Well, it means this, that he was not a Jew. 
He was not a Jew, and the scripture seems to make this clear, that he was not one who was familiar with the law or familiar with the traditions or the customs of the Jews, and he would not have been one who engaged in or observed the law and the teachings and the customs of the Jews. And so what we have here with the marriage of Eunice, the mother of Timothy, and the father of Timothy, what we have here is a marriage where there was not common ground by way of background, by way of culture, by way of religion, by way of belief. And I don't know about you, but until this week, I'd never really questioned this idea How did these two people get together? Because really, if you think about it, they should not have ever come together with the differences in their background, with the differences in their belief system. The scripture would refer to this as something that we identify as unequally yoked. This was someone who was brought up in the Jewish law, in the Jewish customs, in the Jewish traditions, and she was now married to someone who was not at all of that background, of that belief system, of that persuasion. And so here is a young lady who married a man, and they are not at all in agreement by way of their religious positions, for lack of better uh, explanation. And here is what I think any honest person would have to to admit, and that is this, that is not an ideal way in which to start a marriage. That is not an ideal way in which to start a relationship where one has been raised in this manner, where one has been raised with this custom and this tradition and this approach, and somebody with a completely different approach to life. You and I know this as well as anyone else does. That can certainly produce stress on a marriage and a relationship. Then you think about this. Not only was their marriage not starting off on the right foot in the eyes of God, it wasn't even starting off on the right foot in the eyes of man. Because what you had here was a Jew marrying a Gentile, and in their day that was something that was highly frowned upon because what the marriage of a Jew and a Gentile produced was what they referred to as a Samaritan, someone who was neither one or the other, and it is said that there were many who would not even recognize the personhood or the true identification as a being because they were neither Jew nor Gentile entirely. So whenever they mixed the races, there were many who would not even identify the offspring as real children. Are you seeing this? So from a cultural standpoint, it was not just the 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 spiritual side of things that caused this to be a less than ideal circumstance. It was from the cultural side of things as well, where a Jew was marrying a Gentile and vice versa. And so we've got Eunice and we've got the father of Timothy, and they have entered into this relationship with a difference in their spiritual background and their laws and their customs and the, and the challenges that that would have prevented or presented. And at the same time, there was a cultural mark against them because of the interracial marriage that they had obviously engaged themselves in. So all that being said, the scripture is fairly obvious in verse number one that from this marriage 
came a child. How many of us know this, that sometimes when a marriage is not exactly starting out on the footing that it needs, it's not always a real blessing to throw a child into the equation. Sometimes that does not always present itself as the blessing that it otherwise could be or should be. And so here is young Timothy, obviously being born into this family. And what does he have for a mother? He has a Jew who has been raised in the laws and the traditions and the customs of the Jews, familiar with the law of God and everything that the Word of God taught. And yet he has a father in his life who was a Greek, who did not grow up the same way as his mother did, who would have a completely different set of beliefs and a completely different set of values and a completely different philosophy of life. And this is the environment that Timothy, he would grow up in. Now, I don't know about you, but for the child, that's not an ideal situation for that child to be in. When mom believes this and dad believes this, when mom holds to this and dad holds to this, again, we don't know how all this happened and how all this played out. But friends, there is nothing uh, desirable about the situation that Eunice or her husband or Timothy finds themselves in. But here's what we understand, is that at some point in this marriage, and at some point in this relationship, Eunice began to have a spiritual desire and a spiritual hope for her son, Timothy. There had to have been a, a desire on the part of Eunice and, and a, part of, a part of her that, that, that said, okay, I want to have some impact and some influence on the life of my son, Timothy. And here is what we realize from our verse, that it says in verse number one, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold... A certain disciple was there named Timotheus. Well, what does it mean whenever it says that he was a disciple? It means this, that he was a student and that he was a pupil and he was a learner. Well, a learner of what or a disciple of what? Well, a disciple of the things of God. So see, by the time that Paul came into Timothy's life, it was not Paul that had served as such a great help and, and served as this great catalyst in the spiritual life of Timothy to bring him to the saving knowledge of Christ and Timothy getting serious about the things of God. No, that was not what Paul did in the life of Timothy. When Paul met Timothy, Timothy was already identified as a disciple, the student, the pupil, the follower of Christ. So much so that in Paul's later writings to Timothy, of the things he said he was thankful for, he said that he was thankful for his unfeigned faith. What does it mean to have unfeigned faith? It means this, to have a genuine, sincere, or pure faith in the things of God. Here is Timothy, and Paul is writing to him, and he said, Listen, I know just like your mother Eunice and just like your grandmother Lois, your faith is genuine. Your faith is pure. Your faith is sincere. 
It is real. The Apostle Paul never questioned the authenticity of the faith of Timothy. Why? Because at some point, Eunice, the mother of Timothy, said, I am going to do everything I can to influence my child in the things of God, to influence my child in the things of God, and I am going to try to show him the need to be a believer, to be a follower, and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And she was effective in her endeavor. She did not have the ideal situation. She did not have the dream scenario for herself. And quite possibly, she did not have it because of previous mistakes she had made, which led her to marry someone she had no business marrying. We don't know. But all I'm trying to show us is this, is that there was obviously a point in her life where she had a burden to transmit to her son what she believed herself, and she was effective in spite of the fact that the circumstances were not ideal. Now this morning, I want us to think about a a broad principle. I want us to think about a, a big picture principle, and I want us to think about this question. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to people, when it comes to influence, especially from a spiritual standpoint, what would be ideal? If you think about that question for just a moment, what would be ideal by way of relationships and, 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 and the grand scheme of things, what would be ideal? Now, I don't know about you, but this is the answer I came up with, okay? This would be the ideal situation. A believing mother and father who had a believing mother and father. Who had a believing mother and father who had a believing mother and father. But this believing mother and father right here had a son that they raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That that would be ideal, would it not, on that side of the equation? And over here, what would be ideal is this, is if you had a mother and father who had a believing mother and father, 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 who, though the ones that we're really looking at, they had a daughter that God blessed them with, and they tried to raise that daughter in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So over here, you've got a believing family, and over here, you've got a believing family. They've got a son. They've got a daughter. And the ideal situation would be this, where that son and that daughter came together, got married, and they had the, they had the commonality of background. They had the commonality of faith. They had the commonality of practice and what they observed and what they believed. And, and all the family, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, was something that everyone was in support of. Would that not be ideal? Well, certainly that would be ideal. And then when this young man and this woman decided to start their family and, and God blessed them with a son or a daughter, 
that too would be part of the ideal equation because then the parents and the grandparents and the great-grandparents and maybe a great-great-grandparent, whomever it might be, what would they be in full support of? They would be in full support of that young couple raising their child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and bringing them up in the ways of God so that one day that son or that daughter might be able to one day marry another son or a daughter from somebody else's family and a believing family. And, and wouldn't that be wonderful and wouldn't that be great? Well, yeah, it'd be wonderful and it'd be great. But how often do the ideal situations present themselves? Not very often, right? It's kind of like the ideal situation at the lake. It's not something that really produces itself very often. And so if you look at relationships, if you look at marriages, if you look at unions, here's what we see. A lot of relationships really get started off a lot like the relationship of Eunice and her husband. They get started on the wrong foot. Because they don't have the same beliefs. They don't have the same background. They don't have the same ideas. They don't have the same philosophies. They don't have the same thoughts. And you know as well as I do, that creates friction in marriages. And then when the children come along, it only complicates things. Because mom is teaching one thing and dad is saying something else. Dad is saying this and mom is saying that. And a child grows up in a confused home. You and I know this. There are so many situations out there and they are so far from ideal. It is ridiculous how messed up the situation is. I suspect it's possible that if we took the time this morning to go around the room and let people give testimony, I suspect that most of us would stand and say, I did not exactly come from an ideal situation. I did not come from the dream situation that you spoke of. I didn't come from that situation where dad and mom had this and his parents had this or her parents had this. Most of us in the room this morning, the testimony would be, yeah, I, I didn't come from that ideal situation. And you know what is amazing? Somebody somewhere out there took an interest in you. You ever thought about that? You were not in an ideal situation. You were not in this dream situation. And yet somebody took an interest in you. And somebody had a desire to impact your life spiritually. And you know what happened? By the grace of God, your life was impacted. It may have been the mother and not the father. It may have been the father and not the mother. It may have been a grandparent. It may have been an aunt. It may have been an uncle. It may have been a cousin. It may have been a friend of the family. I don't know who it was. You know who it was. But somebody had a burden for you. And as a result of the burden they had for you, by the grace of God, what they had was able to be transmitted to you. And so though you may not have come from an ideal situation, and though your life may have not taken the ideal route, 
you were still able to be reached by the power of God, just like Timothy was able to be reached by the power of God through the efforts of his mother who was a believer. Now, as we think about that, I think this morning, if you and I were honest, I think some would give a testimony to this effect. That maybe because you didn't grow up in the ideal circumstances, what you then reproduced in your life and in your marriage was not exactly the ideal circumstances. You understand what I'm saying, right? That maybe some of the mistakes that you were exposed to as a child were the same mistakes that you reproduced in your own marriage. And maybe as you look at the way you were raised and some of the mistakes that were made in your raising out of ignorance and out of innocence, maybe you made some of the exact same mistakes with your children and you may be looking at your situation now with your children or what may involve your grandchildren and you may say something like this, that because things got started off on the wrong foot and because things didn't start the way they should have spiritually and maybe even culturally, maybe some of us even this morning are looking at certain people in our our lives saying something to this effect this is not an ideal situation i don't know what's going to happen is it possible you've ever been there i want to remind us of something this morning again i hope this is a source of encouragement to us but the circumstances do not have to be ideal in order for us to have influence in the lives of other people. You may be looking at a situation with your kids right now, and you may say something like this, they are repeating some of the very same mistakes we made when we were raising them, and you may be looking at this saying, I don't know what to do. Here's the thing, you don't have to know what to do to try to correct your mistakes and try to help them fix their mistakes, but by the grace of God, you do not have to pack up, call it quits, and assume there's no room for influence in their lives. You can still have influence. You may be looking at your grandkids growing up in a situation and you know it's not ideal. You may be looking at them thinking, I, I just wish so badly that, that they were living in a different situation, that their circumstances were not what they are. I just, I wish it was not so. I, I understand that, but we can't change everything that may be their circumstances. But by the grace of God, we can still have some influence in their lives. We can take what we have received by way of a belief, by way of a faith. We can take that and we can do everything within our power to transmit our faith to them, to others, and show them the need of a personal relationship with Christ and let their lives be influenced by what has changed us. I'm not suggesting that this happens all the time. I don't begin to know how often this would happen. But I think this tends to be the case with some people. 
that when the circumstances are not ideal, their tendency is to just kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, well, what can I do? And as a result, the effort is not made. It's kind of the idea of just packing up, quitting, throwing in the towel and saying, well, that's just what will be because of my mistakes, because of their mistakes or whatever the situation is. Just want to remind us this morning. Not only do the circumstances not have to be ideal, very rarely will they be ideal. More times than not, the circumstances will not be what anybody would really wish on someone else. But if you and I are willing to put forth the effort and to put forth the energy and to, and, and to do what needs to be done, it is amazing the influence that can be had on a person's life. And we may not even see it this side of heaven. I may have shared this in the past. I'm just going to share it real quick. And maybe this will be a help. Maybe this will be an encouragement. I hope that it will. But I've got a cousin who grew up in a home that is either atheistic or agnostic, however you'd like to identify it. And a few months ago, when visiting with this cousin, what they shared with me is this, is that they have kept every Bible that my grandparents ever gave them. Of all the things over the years that they have disregarded, that they have gotten rid of, that they have thrown away, that they have had no use for, there's not been a willingness to get rid of the Bibles that my grandparents gave them. Now, I don't know what that's going to produce. I don't know what that's going to bring about in that cousin's life. I just don't know. But I do know this, my grandparents, though they raised a child who turned on the things of God, my grandparents said, we're still going to babysit that kid every Saturday night so that we can take that kid to church every Sunday morning. And every birthday, among other things that they get from us, they're going to get a Bible. Because they're going to know what matters to us is what I want to matter to them one day. I'm just saying, the circumstances don't have to be ideal for us to have some influence. But in order for us to have some influence, we're going to have to make the best out of what may be a very bad situation. And this morning, if you might be guilty, unintentionally, but if you might be guilty of just kind of throwing your hands up in the air saying, I don't know what to do. I don't think we're having any impact. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of, of getting shut down and rejected all the time. If maybe unintentionally you've been guilty of just kind of resolving to the idea or resolving your mind to the fact that it's just not going to work, I want to remind you it can. It can. You can have great influence in the life of someone else if it becomes your burden, if it becomes your desire, if it becomes something that you truly want to do with the life you've been given. And so this morning, I just ask you, is there someone in your life that you'd love to have some influence in?
You'd love to see what you've got being transmitted to someone else. Just know it can be done. Timothy is an incredible example of a young man who was raised in a situation far from ideal, but mom was still able to make a difference and to have some influence in that young man's life. And it can happen for us as well. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be encouraged. That the circumstances do not always have to be ideal for the outcome to be a success. Lord, it is true that we may not reach everyone that we want to reach. But Lord, it is possible that there are so many others we could reach if we'd just put forth the effort. So God, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged today. I pray that you'd help us to be challenged by this truth. And Lord, that we would leave here today with a little bit more determination to do whatever we can to let others know what you've done for us and what can be done in their lives. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.